0: The internet has changed the world around us in too many ways to list. I personally can't remember the last time that I went a full day without using the internet for work, entertainment and convenience. Some of the world's largest companies have been built on providing services through the internet and three years ago when a global pandemic put the world into lockdown, the internet was there for us so that we could work from home and play among us with our friends to avoid going crazy in isolation. So with all of that in mind, what do you think has had more of an impact on the global economy? The internet? Or the washing machine? Go on, answer's in the comments section. It sounds like a pretty dumb question, but it's actually one that a lot of economists disagree on. The argument in favour of the washing machine is that we no longer appreciate how much of an impact the automation of domestic duties has had on our lives, and we simultaneously overestimate the impact that the internet has had on our economies. Even if I can't change your mind, the debate is really quite interesting and it can teach us a lot about how we have changed the way that we add value to the world around us on an individual, national and even global level. Working out what tools add the most value to an economy can be crucial to getting some of the poorest nations in the world off the ground. Yep, if you were to ask most economists whether you would rather supply washing machines and their supporting infrastructure to people's homes, or the internet and supporting infrastructure, they would most likely choose the latter, without appreciating the benefits that the other option could bring. It can also act as a case study for what happens when automation makes our jobs obsolete, which with this latest wave of AI programs is something that we should probably want an answer to. So, what was the impact of the washing machine on the global economy and how has it been underappreciated? What was the impact of the internet on the global economy and how has it been overappreciated? And finally, what can this debate teach us about the role of future innovations on the way that we run our economies and live our lives? Okay. Okay. Before I get too into the fascinating details of this debate, I have to admit that the idea that washing machines could have changed the global economy more than the internet is not my idea, nor the idea of anybody else here on the EE team. It has mostly been argued by this man here, Hajun Chang, a development economist from Cambridge who was far more brilliant in his field than I could ever hope to be. His argument is that most economists overestimate the impact that the internet has had on the world around us and underestimate the impact that domestic tools like washing machines have had. Washing machines were first invented in the 1850s, but the problem was that they required a lot of power to operate and most homes didn't have electricity at this point. The few houses that did have the incredible luxury of electrical power also had little use for an automated washing machine, because if they could afford a fancy new technology like electricity to be supplied to their home, they could also afford domestic servants to clean their clothes and there was no point in buying an expensive machine just to make their job easier. By the 1930s, that started to turn around, and by this point, despite the Great Depression, a majority of homes were connected to electricity. At the outbreak of World War II, automated machines to take over domestic duties became incredibly important as women were needed in the workforce to replace men on production lines while they went off to fight in Europe and the Pacific. Cleaning clothes by hand for a family could easily be a whole day's worth of work, Which was fine when the expectation was that women would stay at home and perform these duties, but when they also got regular jobs, losing a whole day to just one of many tasks that needed to be done around the home wasn't feasible. Washing machines, vacuum cleaners, electric irons and all of the conveniences that we take for granted today reduced the time that it took to run a household so significantly that a lot of women were able to stay in the workforce even after the war was over. And one of the first things that they wanted to buy with the money that they had earned by themselves was appliances to make their life easier at home. In economics, we study something called labor productivity, which is one of the most important measurements in economics and is very often totally overlooked. Labor productivity is how much output an average worker produces in a single hour of work. For example, the average worker in the USA produces around $73 worth of output for every hour worked according to the most recent data available. Increasing worker productivity is really important to economists because it means that workers can get paid better while not causing inflation which leads to increasing living standards and a wealthier economy, all other things being equal. Improving worker productivity is primarily achieved by making workers that are better educated and giving them better tools to do their jobs more efficiently. We can see this with the worker productivity difference between Canada and the USA. Despite having similarly skilled workforces, US workers produce almost $20 an hour more than Canadian workers because businesses in the US, on average, invest a lot more into tools and equipment for their workers, meaning they can get a lot more done in the same amount of time. Now, we have already covered this in our most recent video on the Canadian economy, so I don't want to repeat too much, but one thing that might surprise you about labour productivity is what it can teach us about things that we think are threats to our individual economic prosperity – for starters, labour productivity actually tends to go up during economic downturns. One of the steepest improvements in US labour force productivity was after the GFC. The reason this happens is because as unemployment rises, companies tend to get rid of their worst and least experienced employees first, which means the ones that are left over are going to be better workers on average. Those workers will also have access to more equipment because it won't be spread around as much and they will also be incentivized to work really hard because they know they might be next if the company decides to get rid of more workers. Now women entering the workforce, particularly from the 1960s onwards, both increased labour force participation and also increased labour productivity. Increased labour force participation is not surprising, more people entering the workforce means a higher participation rate. But all other things being equal, adding more people should have decreased labour force productivity because new workers with not much experience are going to bring down the average and also require businesses to spread their equipment wider across a larger workforce. But that didn't happen. And the reason why was because those new workers were able to make the existing workers more efficient by taking over low end jobs, which enabled the experienced workers to leverage their skills by managing larger teams that were there to help them out. The most common example of this was something like a lawyer getting a personal assistant so that they could spend more time billing clients and less time worrying about everything else. It also made workers productive because it gave them more to do Women entering the workforce opened up an entirely new consumer market that for the first time in history had their own money to spend on things that they valued. Freeing half of the population from full-time unpaid services and giving them the ability to join the workforce and become independent consumers was one of the biggest drivers of economic growth in the past half century and it was enabled by machines that made it possible for those unpaid services to be far more efficient. This change is also why a lot of economists are not very worried about the future of automation making us all irrelevant. Machines that take over the tasks that we currently have to do ourselves will either give us more time to go out and pursue more value-adding tasks or it will mean that more is taken off our plate in the work that we already do. I am personally experimenting with artificial intelligence to do a lot of the detailed research that goes into these videos. My time is best spent explaining economic concepts through case studies like national economies or Ha-Joon Chang's washing machine theory like right here in this very video. In most cases, I can explain the economic theories more or less off the top of my head, but linking those theories up with real-world events and data to make those theories more engageable and understandable takes hours of reading and research. Artificial intelligence could fill in those facts and figures for me, making the whole process much faster and potentially even more accurate. This means that I could make more videos, or have more free time to go out and consume things contributing to the economy either way. As of now, most of the tools are still not really as good or reliable as just doing the work myself, so I promise this wasn't secretly written by a robot to tell you not to worry about the robot revolution, but they are improving every day and they will eventually be so useful that we can't do our jobs without them, just like it would be very hard to do a lot of our jobs today without other computer programs. A more real world example that I'm sure a lot of you are aware of is that programs like ChatGPT can now write basic code in lots of different languages based on simple inputs. A developer using a program like this could spend most of their time linking these basic commands together into a production-ready program, rather than creating them individually themselves or editing whatever they found on Stack Overflow. Tools that allow people to create more stuff in a given amount of time are
1: almost always a good thing for the economy overall. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast.
0: It's also worth noting that labour force participation in most advanced economies right now is at record lows and has only been reduced further by the pandemic. Labour force participation is calculated by taking the amount of people currently employed, adding in the people that are unemployed but looking for work, and then putting that number over the total number of working age people in an economy. Those not participating in the workforce are therefore people unable to work due to a disability or choose not to work because they are supported by their partner, family or are independently wealthy. Most of the drop off since the peak in 2008 has been caused by people retiring before they fall outside the working age population, so they still get counted. Either way, the labour force participation rate is now reaching levels similar to what it was before women started entering the workforce in large numbers in the 1960s and 70s, so there is a lot of headroom for technical capital to make sure that these people still working and making up for everybody else sitting out. Now, a lot of what has made the latest developments in artificial intelligence so powerful is the way that these programs can pull information from the internet, which if they are supposed to be the next economic revolution, really undermines Harjun Chang's argument that the internet is overrated. We always talk about how the internet has revolutionized the way that we do business and just accept that to be true on face value. But Jung Chang challenges this idea and proposed its contributions aren't as significant as we might think. The internet is a vital tool for business, but it's not radically changed the way that most work is done. It is primarily a communications tool, but before this, businesses still had fax machines, telephones and pages that could send most business information just as fast. The internet has allowed for non-text information like video and audio files to be sent much more quickly and easily, but most businesses don't use these very much for their regular operations. Professor ha Chang proposed that the telegraph reduced the amount of time it took to send a message across the Atlantic from three weeks to around 30 minutes, an improvement of 2,000 times. This was a significant improvement and started to make global trade and international corporations economically viable. Sending four pages of information via a fax machine takes about 30 seconds, where an email takes two seconds, an insignificant improvement since most of the time it's going to take a few minutes for the recipient to read through the information either way, so the save time might only be a few percent by using the internet. There are businesses that have been able to use the internet to make massive profits. The example Harjun Chang gave were commodities traders using the constant flow of information to speculate on futures contracts, which while being profitable contributes very little to the economy as a whole. The other examples are things like social media companies that use the internet to supply us with a constant stream of entertainment. It's up to you to decide how much economic value they really provide, but Chang argued that they were more of a distraction than anything else. It's important to remember that his argument is not that the internet wasn't important or that it didn't contribute to the global economy, it's just that it contributed less than the technology that allowed us to effectively double our available workforce. The reason that we find this argument so hard to fathom is that most of us have lived our entire lives with washing machines and haven't witnessed that technology develop in any significant way. The internet on the other hand has changed radically in just the last decade and demands a lot more attention from us pretty much by design. We don't spend hours in front of our washing machines every week because they were designed to save us time to be more productive than washing clothes by hand. We do spend hours on the internet every week, and that time is not always very productive. Chang's argument might sound crazy, but the numbers kind of agree with him. Global growth has been lower in the period following the widespread adoption of the internet when compared with the period following the widespread adoption of the washing machine. It's not by a significant amount. But remember, the time since 1990 also includes the growth in China, which has improved global average growth rates significantly. If the internet really was as important as we thought it was, growth should now be easily outpacing the time before it existed. The outcome of this debate, beyond being very interesting, has some really important consequences, and it should make us reconsider how we achieve growth. Today there are more people with access to the internet than there are with access to basic plumbing. A lot of growth initiatives in undeveloped economies are built around giving people access to the internet, because it can be used for education and communication, which is hoped will spur economic development to improve the lives of everybody in that economy. If the importance of the internet really is overestimated, this means that there could be better investments to make to improve economic prosperity and living standards in these countries. If you're still not convinced, then that's probably a good thing, because it shows that you're capable of strong critical thought. Yes, there are some arguments that can be made that washing machines did more for the global economy than the internet, but those arguments require us to leave out a lot of details as well. It's also really hard to verify because we can't go back in time and uninvent the washing machine to see what happens. But there is a chance that all of the other things going on in the world at the time would have allowed women to enter the workforce with or without the automation of a lot of their other unpaid work. I personally struggle to believe that ha Chang even really believes his own argument, but he makes it for the same reason that we made this video. He uses the debate as a platform to teach his students about the importance of technical development, labour force dynamics and the role of technology in our economies. I think he also knows that even the best lessons in the world are pointless if nobody listens to them. So an outrageous statement like washing machines have done more for the global economy than the internet brings that attention to a very important argument. I mean, at the end of the day, it got you to click on this video, right? And I sure hope, even if you don't agree, that you learned something along the way. Thanks for watching, mate. Bye.
1: The world is constantly changing and transforming.